Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, hello, good morning. Uh, uh, thank you on, on the top here for, uh, for the celebration of me being from, here for one year. Uh, it's pretty amazing and uh, I feel very blessed to be here. I'm really looking forward to the rest of my time here. Uh, for those of you who do not know me or perhaps for, forgot who I was, uh, my name is Ryan Jocelyn and I am the director of Youth and Families Ministries here at Stonebridge Community Church. And today I have the privilege of preaching to you. And around these parts, we consider this the, the Thanksgiving sermon weekend. And uh, when I thought about that, I realized that next week is when Advent starts, which is wild to me. I can't believe we're already at Advent, which is why we're doing Christmas decorating, if you're gonna stick around. Uh, and because Thanksgiving's coming up, you know what that means. We gotta talk about gratitude, right? And perhaps as my mom would tell me, we don't have to talk about gratitude, we get to talk about gratitude. So let's do it. As I've been preparing for this sermon and thinking about this idea of gratitude, I kept coming back to my recent experiences with being a chaplain in a hospital. Some of you know that recently I have been doing what's called CPE or clinical pastoral education. It's part of uh, my requirements in the, to be ordained in the Presbyterian church. And so I have been visiting with patients at UCLA Santa Monica twice a week since September. And these visits have been on my mind because one of the most prominent emotions that patients describe while being in the hospital is gratitude. And I find this be compelling because if there's anyone who has the right to not be feeling thankful and instead being upset, it'd be someone who's sick in the hospital. Yet many patients reflect to me how they are thankful for their lives and the many gifts and blessings they have. And these conversations are inspiring for me. They inspire me to reflect on my own life and find gratitude for all that I have and realize how all I have is a gift in life. From things as small and mundane as the air, breath, the ocean, to treasures such as my wife, family, and friends. All these good and beautiful things are gifts to be thankful for. And, I have, and as I have sat with these thoughts, I began to wonder, what are all these gifts for? What is this emotion of gratitude for? Is it just to feel good about myself? Or is there something I am being called to do with these gifts? And these are the questions I want to ask together as a community today, to wonder at what is our gratitude for? And before we turn to our scripture passage today, I want to invite you to hear this text in a new way. If you were to glance at this passage in your Bible, you probably see some headings describing these words as about forgiveness. And that is true. The parable we're about to read is a teaching about forgiveness from Christ. However, that is what I call the front door entrance to looking at this text. Forgiveness is certainly one of the main topics Jesus is discussing, but it is not the entirety of what this scripture has to offer. It is layered in meaning, and we get to uncover these layers together. So let me invite you all through the side door 
to take another perspective at this text that provides a meditation on gratitude. And this is the beauty of ancient scripture and writings to uncover these layers in different times and places. So let's read this text together, Matthew 18, verses 23 through 33, and see what walking through the side door might reveal to us this morning. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you please pray with me? Lord, we come to you this morning as a community in search of what it means to have gratitude, what it means for our gratitude to be something that moves us. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts this morning be pleasing to you. Amen. So let's start our investigation of gratitude in this passage by looking at our main character, the man who had his debt forgiven. The text describes this man as a slave who owes 10,000 talents. Now, for reference, a single talent was more than 15 years of daily wages. So for dramatic effect, the text is effectively saying the amount of money this man owes is beyond unpayable. This is a debt larger than anything we can comprehend. So our character is in some deep trouble. And the consequences of not being able to pay his debt are dire. He and his entire family would be sold away. Everything that he can possibly lose will be taken away. He will be completely demolished. And so he, he pleads to the king that he owes this debt to and desperately asks for more time to pay his debt. However, the king doesn't want better. And what only can feel like a gift from God, the debt is wiped clean. Nothing more to owe. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how that would feel? What a gift. Something truly undeserved, given to him beyond his control and without any of his own doing. Can you imagine what that gratitude would feel like? So what does this man do now that he has received this gift and effectively a new life? 
We sit in anticipation of what might happen next, and immediately he has an opportunity to act after receiving this gift. A man that owes him 100 denarii, a substantially less amount of money, about the wages of 100 total days of work, asks for patience to pay back this debt. And we would hope, we would hope that upon reflection and gratitude, this man would become aware of how he should extend the gift he received to this second man that there would be a transformation in him motivated by his gratitude. But as we saw, this is not the case. Instead, the first man demands that the second pay his debt and should be thrown in jail because he cannot come up with the money. The same fate he would have received if the king was not merciful and gracious to him. So he biffs it. He squanders the opportunity to use the gift he was given in his life to further mercy, grace, and love in his community. What a disappointment. And the king finds out, right? And reprimands him saying, should he have not had the same mercy for his fellow slave? Should he not have been transformed by the gift he was given? Should he not have reflected with gratitude and become aware of how he could use his gifts to live in a new way? This failed opportunity reveals to us an utter lack of trans transformation inside this character. He has learned nothing. Sure, he may have been thankful and relieved that he no longer had to pay a debt, but it had no lasting effect on his character and heart. So what use is his supposed gratitude? What was the point of being grateful if it did not lead to any active change, but instead just complacent apathy? How could he have wasted such a gift? As I said before, the way in through the front door to this text is a parable on forgiveness from Christ. Nevertheless, when we look at this parable and its layered meaning, we can see how coming in through the side door displays for us an opportunity to learn that our gratitude for the gifts we have in life should not be an end in and of itself, but should drive us to become more aware of the needs in this world and the ways the gifts we have are from God and should be used to participate with God in reconciling all things to do resurrection work. In this passage, when the indebted man has his debt cleared, he fails to see how the wonderful gift is meant to drive him towards action. He doesn't understand that what, he has been, what has been given to him, besides a new life, is also an opportunity to extend the gift he was given out into his community. It is a reminder to us that the gifts we are given in our own lives are from God, and they are meant to be extended through us and used in this world. For a moment, Think about what you might consider to be a gift in your life. What comes up in your mind immediately as a gift? Do you think about the people in your life as gifts because of the ways they bring you so much joy? Maybe you're thinking about what a gift it is to have this community you're in right now. Maybe you're thinking about presents that you're gonna give and receive pretty soon around Christmas time. Or because we're in a church setting, you might be thinking about spiritual gifts and the ways the Holy Spirit grants uh, a gift to each of us. 
what all these different gifts have in common is that they are good. They bring us joy or love or positively impact our lives with goodness in some way. These are the makings of a good gift. But what else can be considered good in our lives that we don't typically think of as gifts? Do we consider breath a gift? Do we think about the mountains around us in Simi Valley as a gift? What about clean water? Do you think of laughter as a gift? Do we think about the ways that so many people have come before us to create opportunities for us, invented new technology and medicine, or how we have been loved and cared for by so many people? Do we see all of these things as gifts? I believe that when we take this expansive approach to viewing all that is good in life as a gift, it should create in us a sense of awe. Nothing we have or do is on our own, but is contributed to by someone or something else. We are all interrelated and interdependent. Theologically, we can think of these gifts as the sustaining power of God in this life. God sustains us by being the source from which all good gifts come from. It is a constant flow from God to us in our lives, whether we realize it or not. And these gifts do not overpower our own freedom of will. Rather, we can choose to use and appreciate these gifts we are given. Theologian Catherine Tanner has this to say about God's sustaining power. God is the giver of all good gifts, their fount, luminous source, like an overflowing radiance, God sends forth upon all things the rays of undivided goodness. The history of the world is God's working for the, for the fuller bestowal of these gifts. In short, God is already abundant fullness, freely wishes to replicate to every degree possible this fullness of life, light, and love outward into what is not God. What she's saying here is that the gifts we are given in life have their source in God. All that is good comes from God. But what is the purpose of these gifts? Why does God bestow them upon us? I think we can find this answer by considering what does it mean to follow Christ? As his followers, we look to what he calls us to do with what we are given. And over and over again, Jesus calls his followers to care for others, to recognize that serving others and extending the gifts they have out into the community is the holy work of building the kingdom of God. Again, I turn to the words of Catherine Tanner, who says, extending the way Christ took on us sinners for our good, we are to take on the needs of others in order to serve them, in order to extend to them the gifts that Christ extends to us. From Christ, good things have flowed and are flowing to us. From us, they flow on to those who have need of them. We are called to use all these gifts in our lives, to 
to participate with God and God's work in the world. We are meant to become the body of Christ in this world and act. We are to be like prisms. You know those fun shapes that refract light into the visible spectrum? We are meant to take all that is good in our lives and extend them through us out to others. The way that light flows through a prism and refracts out as a rainbow. I find this metaphor of refraction helpful because the prism takes in the source of light and disseminates it outward in a different way. The gifts we receive may not always be refracted out in the same way, but instead meet the needs of those we are hoping to care for in new and surprising ways. This flow of goodness and gifts is what we would have hoped to see in the parable. It is why we get a sense of disappointment and frustration with the character. His lack of action and care pains us because there is something intuitive about knowing we are meant to share the gifts we have with one another. And this is why gratitude that leads to awareness and action is so important. When we reflect on the gifts we have in life and we feel gratitude, it should propel us to become empathetic and more aware of the needs of our community, to take on their needs and figure out how can we serve them. Gratitude done in this way is a transformative experience. This proper form of gratitude helps us to realize all that is good is a gift we can use to serve others that they are meant to refract through us. A gratitude like this has the ability to transform our perspective if we allow it to. This is the first step in moving us to becoming prisms of God's goodness in this world. Through gratitude, we take the gift we have and refract them. We use them to serve others, thus participating in the saving work of God in this world. And this passage and meditating on the refraction of our gifts brings to the surface the times we failed to use our gifts. We are reminded that without a gratitude that leads to awareness, we risk becoming apathetic and as a result, sin due to our inaction. In the context of the parable, the man's lack of transformation from the gift he received and his apathy prevent him from extending the gift of debt relief to his fellow community member who was in need. This apathy and inaction actually creates dysfunction and distress. It is sinful as he fails to do what is merciful and good. But in the context of our own lives, how often do we forget or fail to act and use our gifts to serve others? Each week in worship, we have a prayer of confession. In this prayer, we offer up a confession that we have indeed sinned and are in need of forgiveness. And we specifically mention each week a confession that we have failed to act in this world. It seems that when people think about sin, they often consider specific actions they associate it with. We might think of things like hurting someone or anger, greed, or hatred. Each of these different sins are actions that someone might do. 
But how often do we consider the ways that we have failed to act as a sin? I find this convicting for myself. And I think if we were to view our lives throughout the week, we might be shocked to see how many times we failed to act and help someone. I'm sure each of us can think of a time in our lives that we did not extend goodness in the gifts we have. How many times have we been apathetic to someone who needs help or lacked the courage to stand with someone in solidarity because it felt too hard or scary? We had the opportunity to extend goodness and we failed. This is where we need to ask ourselves again, what is the point of reflecting on our gifts in life and feeling grateful? Is it just to feel good about our own lives? If that's the case, I think we inevitably find that our gratitude is apathetic and fails to address the brokenness in our world. Instead, it ends up contributing to that brokenness. But a gratitude that leads to awareness and then to action helps us to escape this feeling of apathy and live into the calling God has given us instead of squandering our gifts as the man does in the parable. Overall, what we're talking about here is how gratitude that leads to action and awareness is part of our sanctification. Theologically, sanctification is the process of becoming more holy, more like Christ in this life. And as we do so, we feel the effects and the joy of salvation now in this world. Sanctification is the process of being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And it is always intertwined with this idea of justification or being made right with God. And sanctification is the visible effects in our lives of this right relationship. It is a cumulative process of having our hearts and minds slowly changed by God, to see how God sees the world, to love the world as God does. As we continue our faith journeys and we follow God, our lives undergo a total metamorphosis and we live in a new way that Christ is calling us into. The goal of sanctification leads to the experience of the effects of salvation in our daily lives. Following Christ becomes less of feeling like something we should do and becoming something we want to do. It becomes the only way we can act because any other way of living doesn't make sense anymore. We crave a life full of love and grace and we do this together. We create communities that reflect our sanctified lives, becoming known for our love and care for one another as Christ cared for his community. And a gratitude that helps us to refract the gifts we are given in this life out into the world aids us in this process of sanctification. It clues us into the ways God has been working on us, how the Holy Spirit has been transforming us from the inside out. We learn to follow Christ in a deeper sense. And when our gratitude makes us aware of others' needs and how our gifts can meet those needs, we become closer to the vision God has for us. And we act and use our gifts like this. We contribute to the vision God has for redeeming the world. 
Thus, gratitude helps us to experience the joy of salvation in our lives today by helping us in our journey of sanctification, by bringing attention to how using our gifts helps us become more Christ-like. We can live into the joy of refracting our gifts and see the benefit it has in our lives, our community, and our world. So finally, I ask you this question. What does a gratitude that brings awareness to the needs of the world and helps you refract your gifts look like today? A few minutes ago, I asked you to consider what gifts you have in your life. Now, what does it look like for you to use those gifts as God is calling you to do? And sometimes this process requires us to be creative because some gifts we have do not always have a clear way of being extended to others. How do we extend the gift of our loving family to others? Well, maybe we find folks in our community who are isolated and lonely and we invite them to our gatherings. Or maybe we can work hard to create spaces here at this church that replicate that feeling of a loving family so that people in our community can feel that connection. How do we extend the gift of our health? How does it help us to become aware of the ways people, the ways people who are sick need help in our community? Maybe it pushes us to consider how we can use our able and healthy bodies to take care of others. Or maybe it inspires us to create systems to make sure everyone has access to healthcare. Or how do we extend the gift of a safe home? Does it bring awareness of all the people in our community who are without shelter? Maybe it moves us to volunteer with the Samaritan Center or donate to programs that provide safe housing. There are a myriad of ways gratitude can help us become more aware of the needs of others and use our gifts in this world. As we do this, it is transformational. It continues the process of sanctification in our life, and it is transformational for the world. If we are all to be vessels, refracting the gifts we have to one another, then we are able to create the kingdom of God in our midst. We are able to experience the effects of salvation now. It is a transformation of all things, a reconciliation of all things back to God. So where will your gratitude take you this week? Will you allow it to be transformative in your life, helping you to participate with what God is doing in this world? Or will it remain merely an emotion for us that we just feel happy for ourselves? It is my hope that our gratitude transforms us, helps us extend the gifts we have been given from God to act like prisms, refracting a rainbow from a ray of light. This is what we are called to do. So let refraction and gratitude be our hope this season and through all of life so that we become agents of God's transformative love in this world. Amen. 
We are going to now move into our next stage of worship, which is our time of offering. And we are uh, that's when we bring our gifts uh, to the Lord. And I always like to encourage people, and, and this is very appropriate for the sermon, that sometimes we're not always able to give financially, but there are other gifts we have that we can give. So feel free to meditate on that um, while I pray. So please pray with me. Holy God, we lift up all the gifts we have to you. Whether we are fortunate enough to give financially or give with our time or with our love or with our care, God, we bring this all to you, knowing that you work through us. God, we thank you for our lives and all that is good in it. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Still in your hands, this is my kind. 